Welcome in, everybody, to another edition of the Guys Girl Show. My name is Blythe Brumley. We are here with you every Monday and Friday, previewing and recapping the best in sports and entertainment. I like to call it the too long, didn't read, the TLDR of sports and entertainment news. And we got a, a really, really good show in store for you today. Um, first, we're going to talk a bunch about cheating in football um, from the NFL and the college side. And we're going to get into some other big sports stories that are going on. And then I'm going to get into a Star Wars review. And I, I, I want to preface this with that. I'm going to talk about this at the end of the show because there are going to be spoilers involved in that review. But um, I'm going to give you plenty of heads up, plenty of warning in case you haven't seen it yet. So we'll get through all of the sports topics and then we'll get into um, uh, the, the Star Wars review. And, and the Star Wars, I keep calling it Star Wars, but it's Star Wars, it's Rogue One, a Star Wars story. So then we will uh, be able to get into that later on in the show. It will have spoilers, so just bear in mind that I will give you plenty of heads up beforehand. So you can either um, just shut off the show, just don't listen, or just um, just listen to it after you see the movie because it's a lot of fun discussions. I stayed up uh, pretty late last night researching um, a lot of different fan theories and, and, and stuff like that. So I'm just going to sort of jump right into the biggest sports stories of the week since we lasted our show on Monday. And, and I can't really get this show started without talking about Craig Sager. And he is a longtime uh, basketball broadcaster. He passed away yesterday and uh, he had been suffering from cancer, uh, leukemia for, for a while and he had been battling that. If, you, if you're not familiar with Craig Sager's work, um, you probably know him from his, his outlandish suits. Um, so he had a lot, a, a huge, big personality, and he, and he sort of displayed that through the suits that he wore. But what people sort of paid it, while people paid attention to the suits that he wore, they didn't really pay attention to, to how he sort of conducted himself, conducted himself in sports, in, in, in media, and, if you listen to it, he was he was the guy that wasn't afraid to ask the tough questions, but he would ask it in a way that it wasn't seen as somebody that was coming at you and, and trying to to you know to try to catch you in something or try to catch you slipping or, or, or something like that. So it was just um it, it, it's a big it, we sort of knew this was going to happen sooner or later because he had been battling and you could sort of see his his body i think if you if you know anybody that that has suffered from um the debilitating nature of cancer then you you sort of could see that the i i mean for lack of a better word that the the writing was on the wall um so a big loss in the sports world but it was if his outfits i think dan patrick said it best his outfits were his personality but he was a legend because of his work so so rest in peace craig sager you know obviously i hate to say that the stereotypical thoughts and prayers go out to the family but i mean whether you pray or whether you send positive vibes either way um just send some positive thoughts out to the to the sager family today because they're going to need it that's a that's a big loss for their family not only personally but in the sports world too um, we had Rams and Seahawks last night for Thursday Night Football. Uh, Richard Sherman called it a poop fest earlier in the week as far as Thursday Night Football is concerned, and it kind of was. Um, Rams didn't really prove much after they fired their coach or or maybe just allowed their coach to quit earlier in the week in Jeff Fisher. Um, so that was sort of an uneventful game. Seahawks won, but I don't think the Seahawks team is going to be doing much of anything as far as the postseason is concerned. Um 
with this team in particular, their, their offensive line is shaky at best. Russell Wilson has been a little banged up. Um, they're not going to have home field advantage throughout the playoffs. So it's going to be something where, um, I, I think the, the run of, of, sort of being competitive as far as the Super Bowl is concerned, um, that's going to end this year. I do think the Seahawks, though, that organization in general, is, is going to be able to build back up as far as the future seasons are concerned. They, they still have a good nucleus, a good core on, on both sides of the ball. So look for them to rebuild, not rebuild, but add a, a few key pieces in the offseason, including to address that offensive line and uh, lack of a run game when Marshawn Lynch retired. Um, one of the big things that, that I sort of talked about in, in the headline of the show was cheating in football. And we have a few, a few news stories, um, not only in the NFL, but in college too. Um, it seems that the Giants and the Cowboys are now getting involved. You heard earlier in the week with, um, was it Wakey Leaks? Well, now apparently we have Walkie Gate. And Walkie Gate refers to the Giants and the Cowboys earlier in the week. Um, or well, yeah, last weekend when they were playing against each other, and the headsets went down, and they were playing at New York, and apparently head coach Ben McAdoo and Eli Manning were still able to communicate and, and communicate quite openly using walkie-talkies, walkie-talkies that were programmed to be able to so that. Eli Manning could hear calls from his head coach. The problem with that, though, is is that the the NFL has a rule against that because the the communication systems that are in place currently they 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 go in and out a lot, but it, they allow the NFL doesn't allow the the teams to be able to communicate with the quarterback 15 seconds before the ball is snapped. So so after before 15 seconds before the, the the ball is snapped, communication is cut off with the head coach. So it's up to the quarterback and the team to sort of make those calls and make those um and, and adjust accordingly. But with walkie-talkies, you don't have that ability to be able to cut them off, you know, 15 seconds before the play starts. So that is um, bringing up a lot of questions. Now, the Cowboys did not file an official report. They complained about it. But they after the game, but they did not file an official report, which is when the NFL would step in and would investigate. And I say this because the week before the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Giants complained about the Pittsburgh Steelers using deflated footballs and they complained about them in the middle of the game. But the NFL did not investigate because the Giants did not file a report. And you have to. And and I think that what happened with this situation is, well, why would you? Why would the NFL choose to investigate a situation or not choose to investigate a situation with the Giants and the Steelers with deflated footballs, aka Deflategate 2, and but they're still going to investigate this Giants and Cowboys walkie gate situation when the Cowboys didn't file a formal complaint. So it's just sort of um it, it, it's it's sort of hypocritical in nature because we all know what happened with Deflategate version number one and the Patriots and how that was dragged out for, for more than two years. Tom Brady served his four game suspension earlier this season and 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 this was a situation especially with the walkie talkies that Ben McAdoo was sort of nonchalant about it walking around on the sidelines he openly was using the walkie talkie and no one questioned it but now it's going to be a formal investigation from the NFL to 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 sort of uh, figure out if they were in the wrong, should they have provided communication devices, because both communication devices between the head coach and the quarterback on both sides of the Cowboys and the Giants went down during this game. So if the Giants were the only ones able to communicate with their quarterback, then that brings up a situation where you, you have a competitive advantage. And I, I 
it's just one of those things. It's just dumb. I mean, if, if number one, if your communication keeps failing, you have to have a backup plan. And clearly the Giants did ha- have a backup plan because the walkie-talkies were already programmed to be able to communicate with the quarterback. So uh, it's... It's one of those situations where the NFL is going to pick and choose which investigation they're going to go after and which one they're not, I think is a little fishy. Um, I do think that the majority of the media did not push the deflated footballs between the Giants and the Steelers because nobody wants to go through this again. Nobody wants to go through the same tired storyline of Deflategate 2 and, and, you know, with deflated footballs and how they react in cold weather versus warm weather because it's a whole bunch of bullshit that happened during that investigation where the NFL essentially came up with a conclusion and then hired an investigative firm to go back and to prove their point, not to prove what actually happened or what could have happened, but they wanted to prove their point. And that's how the NFL investigation um, or that's how the NFL conducted that specific investigation. So it's sort of funny how they they, they pick and choose of, of which they're going to investigate. And then if they're going to investigate what point that they want to bring home or what point do they want to hammer home? So that's um, with walkie gate that sort of leads me into where this story earlier this week just had me rolling my eyes because it's another it's another controversy for for Louisville it's another and of course when I mentioned that I'm talking about the Wake Forest spying scandal now what happened with this instance is is we have a color commentator who works for Wake Forest he used to be part of the coaching staff for Wake Forest but then a new regime was brought in three years ago and this gentleman what is his name uh, Tommy Elrod was um he was a, a, an employee he's not anymore since this scandal broke he was fired immediately but he was the radio colorman for uh IMG radio since 2014 um he's no longer a broadcaster for the team he's been banned from the team athletics and facilities and from the Wake Forest press report or, or press release earlier this week they said based on emails text messages phone records Tommy Elrod a radio announcer for Wake Forest football games provided or attempted to provide confidential and proprietary game preparation on multiple occasions starting in 2014. No members of the Wake Forest athletic department, football staff, or players were involved in any of these actions. So this was a guy that was acting alone. And this was a guy that... he was essentially a disgruntled employee. And, and one of the the first rules, I guess, not rules of investigative journalism, but whenever you go to investigate a story where you're going to find some of the juicier parts or some of the more honest, authentic answers is if you go to a disgruntled employee because they're more willing to share information with you. Now, the reason this was tied so closely to Louisville because Louisville has been getting hammered all week. I mean, we just had a Heisman winner for the first time in school history last Last weekend, so the program should be on the up and up. And then we have an off incident with an off-campus shooting um, with a couple of the Louisville football players. One of them, a star athlete who, who was leading the team in tackles, I believe, and I'm blanking on his name, but um, he was he was a very very good player. Both non-life-threatening injuries. Um, they're both expected to to still be able to play in the bowl game on the 31st of December. Um, but it's just been it, it's it, if you're familiar with the. Louisville program, they, they've sort of been, um, had their, their hand in the cookie jar essentially when it comes to a variety of scandals. And, and whether or not I, I side with the school or not is, is, is sort of irrelevant, but well, I mean, I guess it is relevant in this case because this, it, this is an opinion based, um, 
sports show and um, I'm a big Louisville fan and so I'm going to be naturally I'm going to be a little bit biased. I thought that the coverage of Louisville has been a little unfair considering that we now know today that there are four schools involved that this Tommy Elrod had sent willingly sent information to because when this first when the story first broke I, I thought, what is it? There's, I, I thought immediately there's a gambling tie. So this guy must have uh, gambling connections. He's looking to sway and sway the game a little bit and and, um, and and make a little bit of cash on the side. That would be the only explanation that I would have outside of being a disgruntled employee. But this guy, he went to Wake Forest. He played football for them. He was a coach for forever. Then he's the color commentator. And, and especially with, with me working in radio, th this is sort of unheard of that a man would betray his school on this level and go openly uh, uh, and this far into exposing his school, um, trying to, to, I guess, bring them down. Because at first, all we heard about was Louisville. Because the, the story first sort of break, broke whenever um, Louisville and Wake Forest played earlier in the year. Louisville was down like 12 to nothing at halftime, or in the third, like 12 to three at, um, in the third quarter before Louisville's offense just kicked it into another gear and scored like 30 unanswered points. Um, the way they got that started, though, was an 80-yard kickoff return, um, and then they had a couple really good punt returns. So they, it, it was it, it, these. Tommy Elrod supposedly sent three plays to a former buddy that he worked with on the Wake Forest coaching staff, who now works at Louisville. And so, to me, I'm sort of trying to rationalize this. Rationalize this because Louisville caught a lot of heat for the press release that was um, released by Tom Jerk, which is the athletic director. So he released a, 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 a statement earlier in the week, pretty much when this story broke. And he sort of had a condescending attitude about it. And I look, I, I love Jerk. I think he's one of the best athletic directors in the country, um, just based off of how successful Louisville has been in basketball and football um, or a rising football program. They're also very talented in soccer and lacrosse and uh, women's basketball as well. Um, very, very, uh, some of the best facilities in college football. So that Louisville really is, as far as a national scale, um, very underrated as far as their facilities and their um, achievements have, have are concerned. So when this story broke, I'm sort of reading through Church's, Church's statement, and it has the attitude of like, look, this guy called us, he gave us information. We listened. When we listened to it, it wasn't anything that we already that we didn't already know. So it wasn't a competitive advantage. But where they're, they'll get in trouble, though, is the fact that they listened. And um, I was listening to to Clay Travis. You guys all know that I, I love his show. That I love his um his honesty and authenticity when it comes to to sports coverage. And he said that he believes that this could be a criminal uh, a, a criminal investigation because of the fact that you are taking ownership of stolen property and and but where the line gets a little fuzzy is 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 it really stolen property if the person worked for the school so the person didn't steal the information he had rights to it but he is openly giving it out to other competitors which is a, obviously some kind of a violation some kind of an NDA that was involved um, a confidentiality agreement that he obviously violated um, but this it, it it brings me back to to Louisville's re response in it and that it's sort of like you know, look, he gave us the information. It wasn't good information. So we're just going to get back to preparing for our bowl game and you guys should stop bothering us about it. And I think that rubbed a lot of people the wrong way because 
if you look at Louisville's program, it's easy not to like uh, Rick Pitino. It's easy not to like Bobby Petrino. It, because of their past transgressions and because of their sort of, I guess, their scandals in nature. Um, obviously, Bobby Petrino had the infamous affair. Um, uh, Rick Pitino had, an, a, you know, he was banging a waitress in a, you know, a restaurant closet or something and ends up getting her pregnant, paid for the abortion. Um, and, 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 I, and I think that's how that story went. But that's... Um, that, that there's it's been a little oh and then also the the hookers and the prostitutes were for Lowell's basketball program last year which I openly defended because you can't really be held responsible for a, a office or, or college parties having strippers at a college party I, I know that a lot of people don't want to think this but that happens all the time um so that that's um that's neither here nor there so it's easy to to, to dislike Louisville from an outsider's perspective I will defend them to the death because I am a fan of them I am biased in that regard but based off of Jurich's response I thought it was interesting that he brushed it off so easily that it makes me think that this happens all the time and that this is just uh, sort of a, a situation where if you're going to get information college football and, and business and I mean, essentially, college football is run like a business. It's a, it's a billion-dollar industry. Um, the, your competitive advantage is so, so minute that you're looking for any kind of information that can sort of give you an edge in that regard. And if you are – and, and sort of put yourself in the OC's uh, – in the OC of Louisville's uh, position – so you're you're working away, you're you're slaving away on the season. You get a call, you get a phone call from a former buddy. You start talking. It's not out of the blue because you guys are friends. You guys do talk regularly. So you're talking on the phone with him, and then in the middle of the conversation, imagine that he says, "Hey, I got some. I I, I got an insider tip for you. I got some. I got some stuff I want to show you." And you listen. And, and and if that's your buddy, like you're going to listen. And you're not going to just immediately hang up. I mean, maybe the right thing in a perfect world of, you know, hindsight is 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 2020, then you just immediately hang up the phone and 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 call the ACC and report what he's doing. That 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 wasn't the case. And I don't think that that's really very likely, especially considering that this has now happened with four other four total schools now. Uh, we know what happened with Virginia Tech. We know what happened with Army and Louisville and the fourth school we're not sure of yet, but it should happen. That I mean, I, that would be released probably soon. So we know four schools so far. Louisville's been getting hammered for it, even though this is a Wake Forest guy that's been the one that's committing the crimes here. Um, but there, I guess the other schools are sort of acting as an accomplice in that regard. But look, th this information that, that, that Tommy Elrod shared, Wake Forest is going to their third bowl game in 10 years. So obviously this did not affect them to that point. And, and, how, and, and, and basically what Louisville said is that yeah, he sent us a few plays, but they weren't they weren't run during the game, and they were plays that we already knew that they were going that, that we've studied based off of film. These guys live and breathe in the film room, so there isn't much that a color commentator is going to be able to share with you that you wouldn't know yourself just basically watching film. So I think Louisville's caught a lot of. Um, a lot of grief for this, and I understand why as far as the optics are concerned, especially with their history of sort of being involved in, in various different controversies. I get that. Um, but as a fan, I asked this earlier in the week on Twitter, as a fan, if you were offered 
intel on your opposing team. Would you take it? Would you do nothing? Or would you alert the proper authorities? And overwhelmingly, people said that they would take the information. It was something like 65% of the poll respondents said that they would take the information. And I think that that sort of, and, and that you'll, you'll have a lot of people, especially in media, sort of pounding their fists on the moral high ground of, of what they would do or what they wouldn't do. We talked about this earlier in the week on Helmets and Heels, and I, and I posed the question that if you knew what your competitor was doing, would you take a look or would you do nothing? And a couple of my co-hosts said, oh, absolutely, I would not take it. I would, you know, I, I would alert the proper authorities and, and would not be involved in something like that. Sure, what, yeah, sure, whatever. I mean, credit to, to one of my, my co-hosts, Donna. She's a big Patriots fan. And she said, she said, look, I'm not, as a Patriots fan, I'm not commenting on any school and their cheating scandals. So I think that that was sort of the, the appropriate response because overwhelmingly in business and in, and in sports, and sports is a business, if you get information on your competitor, you're going to look in. You're going to look, you're going to listen, you're going to watch. And even if it doesn't give you a competitive advantage, you're still going to be all ears for it. I mean, I know that if, especially at the radio station that, that I work with, if we were somehow to be given, I mean, we don't really have much competition here in Jacksonville, but if we were somehow given a, a, a strategy plan for the next six months of our competitors, you're damn right I would take a look. And I, I mean, that that's just the nature of business. And if you look at, say, um, let's say Coke and Pepsi, if Coke were to be somehow stumble upon some information on what Pepsi was planning on doing or who they were planning on endorsing, you know, in the next year or even during the Super Bowl, as far as their ads are concerned, you better believe Coke has taken a look at that. Look at Martha Stewart went to jail because she got a tip. She got an insider trading tip. Martha fucking Stewart. Like, don't this moral high ground bullshit of people in the media that want to just be fake outrage that this that other schools would openly take this information that this guy was willingly offering these schools weren't going out and hunting down this information they were called somebody called them and said i got some information and i say i'm gonna listen i'm gonna i'll listen to you um but using that information and and i and i get it the moral high ground um, argument, but this is a competitive industry. It's a billion dollar industry and you're looking for any kind of edge that you want to get. And, and I think that this was a conversation on Louisville's and, and Louisville's particular, particular situation. I think this was a situation. This, it was a conversation between two buddies and he shared some information and he listened. It wasn't valuable information. I mean, clearly it wasn't valuable information. Louisville ended up, I mean, I, I would argue that maybe the game last year against Wake Forest, I think Louisville only won by one point. That could have possibly helped them last year. Uh, but you, you never know. And, and this is this is just, a, a, I, I mean, I don't really, it, it's a crazy, crazy situation as far as football is, is concerned. But to think that this doesn't go on all the time is a little naive, in my opinion. I'm not saying that none of these schools deserve any sort of blame for it. Um, but I do think that the ACC is going to have to step in and do their own sort of investigation as far as this is concerned. And, and to sort of, you know, put the put the onus on not necessarily the teams, but to just um, put the message out there that, you know, we want to have, you know, high integrity as far as our games are concerned. Um, so that's um, that, that's a that's sort of a, a great, fascinating story. And I think if this story were to happen at any other school, it, 
a bigger school, like say it happened at FSU or if it happened at Florida or if it happened at Alabama, say Auburn was sharing information on, you know, they're, they're, you know, a disgruntled Auburn employee was sharing information with Alabama or maybe the vice versa, a disgruntled Alabama. Imagine if like Lane Kiffin was calling up other competitors and sharing information on Alabama's offensive game plan. Like that would be, Elaine Kiffin might get murdered in the streets by, by Alabama fans if he did that. So that is just sort of, it's, I think it's a little bit, it's a fascinating story for the ACC in general. But then on the other side, if, if this is any other school, but if it's a bigger school than Wake Forest, it's a much bigger story than what it is right now. So it's, it's going to be, it's a little fun. Um, it's not fun as far as the ties to Louisville are concerned because it's been a really great week for the, or not a great week, but it was a, up until the off-campus shooting, it was a great night on Saturday for the program as far as, you know, the, the first Heisman in school history. So if you're just tuning in, my name is Blythe Brumley. This is the Guys Girl Show here every Friday night and, or no, here every Monday night and Friday morning, previewing and recapping the best in sports and entertainment. Um, here in about 15 minutes, I'm going to get into a full Star Wars Rogue One review. There will be spoilers, but I will give you a heads up beforehand so that you make sure that um, you can sort of watch it. I'm not getting any of your comments right now, so... Um, I guess, I, I guess, oh, maybe I hid the chat. I'm sorry, guys, if I hid the chat or whatnot. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and hide the chat. So if you've been asking any questions, or I'm not going to hide the chat. So if you haven't been asking any, or if you have been, or want to ask any questions, feel free to go right ahead. Um, but we'll get into a lot of this, um, a lot of the Star Wars talk later on, and I'll be sure to to let you guys give you a proper heads up before I start getting into any spoilers or anything like that. Not a ton of spoilers, because I think you guys know what happens before and after if you're a Star Wars fan, but um, there's a lot of good nuggets in the movie that I think you guys will really enjoy. Um, so moving on into a couple more big sports stories over the week. Um, the NBA signed a new CBA for the next seven years. Um, Biggest notes from that is the ability for small market teams to keep their best players. And that brings me to my next little sort of mini controversy is that speaking of small markets, Memphis earlier this week had the Cavaliers coming into town. And for a lot of the Memphis fans, um, they were expecting to see the star players for the Cavaliers and Kyrie Irving and Kevin Love and LeBron James. Problem is, is that they got the night off. And fans weren't told in advance. So you're, if you put yourself in a fan perspective, especially a Memphis fan perspective, the reigning champions are coming into town. You, as a parent, might be buying your kids tickets. It's, it's Christmas time. It's the holidays. A lot of people have time off. So you could be in a situation where you spent a few hundred dollars on tickets. And because the NBA has dynamic pricing, which means that they can fluctuate their ticket pricing because of star players at the start if if star players of a team are coming into town, then they can up their pricing accordingly. And so with dynamic pricing, this particular situation, um, they were being, a lot of the Memphis fans were being charged to see Kyrie Irving, to see LeBron James, to see Kevin Love, and they didn't get them. And, and I think that that's sort of a bullshit way for, um, I guess, the league in general to handle stuff like this. Like, if these guys are going to play in New York or they're going to play in Miami or L.A., those are bigger markets, or Chicago. Those are bigger markets that they want to play in because of their brand. And so what you'll see what a lot of times with NBA players is that they'll sit out and they'll rest 
for the, the, the long-term game because these guys are thinking about a championship run. They're not necessarily thinking about playing on a Tuesday night in Memphis. Um, but that's sort of unfair to the fans because this is the one time of the year that the Cavaliers are going to be going to Memphis. So this was their one chance, for as far as those fans were concerned, to be able to see some of the biggest stars in the NBA. And for them not to show up, to, for them to give little advance notice of it, it's just sort of sucky on the fans' part. And I think that the, the way that the NBA can handle this is that you either give the fans a heads up that these guys are not going to be playing. I mean, because you know ahead of time, if you're the coach, if you're Tyron Lue, you, you know which games you want to sit your guys. You know which games you want them to play. And if this was a game that you were planning on sitting them, then you should have let those fans know well in advance. And the minute you know, then you should let them know. Um, because these fans, it's not, unf- it, it's not fair to a, a family of five that is paying a few hundred dollars to be able to go to a game that night and, and, and take their family and pay for parking and, and pay for tailgating, pay for food, pay for drinks, pay for game tickets, and then you're paying for the dynamic pricing of the, of the game tickets and you're not seeing the star players that you thought that you were, you were paying for. It's like going to a concert, paying for a headliner, and only seeing the opening act. Any concert goer would be furious about that. So if they're not going to offer refunds, then the team should at least give heads up, proper heads up notice to these fans before they buy their tickets or or maybe just sit your guys when they're playing at home. Don't sit them on the road in some of these small market cities that are looking forward to seeing these star players come to town. And the NBA is driven on star players, so they have to know these things. I think this is something that they might get fixed in the future, but this is, this should really be done to, pre- to protect these small markets and to protect the fans. If you're going to sit your guys, sit them at home, or at least give the away teams plenty of notice so these fans are going out and spending an extra hundred, you know, $500 to take their family to see a game, and then they're not getting what they thought they were paying for. So uh, moving on to a couple little nuggets um, are, that happened earlier this week. NFL is no longer going to be um, essentially partnering with the Susan G. Coleman Foundation for, you know, the pink washing month that is October. Um, what the, I guess based off of the success of the My Cleats, My Cause campaign where um, we saw a couple weeks ago where the players, all NFL players were allowed to pick a charity of their choice and have it be able to to get these custom cleats made to show to bring and show awareness for the charity of their choice. So I think because of the success of that, the NFL is no longer going to be recognizing October as strictly Breast Cancer Awareness Month. It's going to be um, the team, each NFL team is going to be able to choose a cause of their choice, and they're going to be able to um, focus on that charity of their choice. I think they could take this a step further and let you know, the players choose accredited charities. I think we saw um, it was one player a couple weeks ago that tried to, um, he, he made a joke of the My Cleats, My Cause campaign, and he didn't actually partner with a charity. I can't, I, I can't remember what he was actually promoting, um, but he was actually fined because of that. So I think um, to sort of alleviate that, that players should still be able to, to pick their own charity, but it must be an accredited charity in order to have those custom cleats made. Because cleats are really, and Von Miller said this earlier in the week, but cleats are really the only way that players can sort of show their creativity on the field. 
And why not let them use their voice and their platform to, to talk about a charity of choice and to talk about a charity that they are really passionate about? I think that's a good thing. Um, you want your players to be more involved in the community. You want your players to be a voice for, for some of these charities that may not have a financial interest with the NFL. And maybe they just want to partner with them out of the, the goodness of their heart. So I think that that's a good thing. The NFL is no longer keeping um, the month of October exclusive to breast cancer. They're going to allow teams to pick a charity to focus on of their choice. Hopefully they take it a step farther, but that remains to be seen. Um, Lane Kiffin is on the job for at FAU for a week, and he's already sort of stirring the pot a little bit. Um, why? Because he signed DeAndre Johnson. He was a four-star recruit that was dismissed from FSU after he was caught on video punching a woman at a bar. Now, I think from the optics on the outside looking in, if you only knew that headline, you only knew that story, then you'd say, what the fuck are you doing, Lane Kiffin? Like, you're already, like, I mean, I guess he's in it to win it if he's going to be getting, you know, sort of questionable character guys. And I use that in air quotes because, um, and this is from, and this quote is from um, a company called Goalpost. Dot com and, and the, what they do, if you're familiar with the skim, which essentially breaks down all the, the world's news into one um, easy-to-read newsletter, Goalpost does this for sports, and it's fantastic. And, and they send it out every single day, and it's, it's, it's very, very insightful. It has all the details you want to know. And credit to, to Goalpost, we actually did an interview with them earlier this season, and, and they were fantastic to work with. Um, so they, they promoted us, so I'd like to promote them too. I like to promote good companies. Um, so Goalpost this was in their email. They did a little backstory on this four-star recruit, DeAndre Johnson. And this is from their email. He was caught on the bar surveillance camera punching a young woman who allegedly provoked him with racial slurs by kneeing him in the groin. Afterwards, he transferred, and this is DeAndre Johnson. Afterwards, DeAndre Johnson transferred to East Mississippi Community College where he frequently spoke out against domestic violence and led their team to an 11-1 record. So this could be a situation where this was a young man who was provoked by a woman, and I, I, I think that a lot of women could sort of learn from a situation like this that just because you're a woman doesn't mean that you can step to a man or any person in that general and speak to them in a way that wouldn't result that you wouldn't expect someone to react to. And this woman was screaming racial slurs to him and kneeing him in the groin. Like to me, you deserve to, to get whatever, not deserve. Yes. You, you deserve to get some kind of repercussion back to you. And did I say, you know, it should, it, it should be, I mean, you have the athlete has the right to defend himself. And if that means punching her to get him away from her, kicking him in the groin, then that's what it means. And and so kudos to him for, for sort of taking a, a, a bad incident. And this could be a situation where he could have just faltered and he could have just, you know, not played football anymore. And he could have, he, he could have never spoken out against domestic violence. But he frequently did. He led his team on, and, and he sort of rose to the occasion after sort of getting knocked down and getting, uh, you know, as a four-star recruit on FSU, you sort of think, that you're on top of the world and then you get knocked down a peg and you got to go to a community college but he took the best he, he, he took the best of what the situation was given to him and now he's going to be going to FAU to to work with Lane Kiffin so so I think it's sort of a, a good thing all around um, ESPN released earlier in the week a trailer for the new um, 30 for 30 the XFL that's going to debut uh, the week before the Super Bowl, so that's going to be really good. If you don't remember sort of the XFL, um, it was sort of um, 
You know how we have the in Madden and in the early video game days there was Madden and then there was Blitz. And you were either a Madden person or you were a Blitz person. When I was growing up, I was a Blitz person. Um, I used to love playing that game. It was one of the few sports games that I was actually good at. Um, I'm terrible at Madden. The first time I ever played, um, I dropped back as the quarterback and they got a safety on me. So um, I shut the game off and I haven't really played since. Um, and I, I want to be a Madden person. I'm just not. I, I just it, it, it just doesn't do it for me. Um, but I did really like Blitz and sort of the XFL and to use that comparison, the XFL is sort of the blitz of, of the football world. They were called the Extra Fun League, and it was started by Vince McMahon, who has wrestling ties, obviously. Um, but it only lasted one season, and they folded after they lost $70 million. Um, so that, uh, that is going to debut the week before the scoop, the week before the Super Bowl. Um, so that's going to be a really, really interesting watch. A couple of the notes that I picked up off of, um, just watching people talk about the XFL and what they remembered of it. Um, but it was the, the cheerleaders were openly allowed to date players. Um, they wore skimpier outfits, which the NFL sort of took a cue from. Um, and they also, the NFL took from the XFL the sky cam. We did not, and the NFL did not have the sky cam until the XFL debuted it. Um, um, there was no coin toss to start the game. Players started at opposite end zones and ran 50 yards to a football in the middle of the field. And whoever got the football first, that's who got the first possession, which is sort of crazy. Um, sort of one of those things that you're waiting for an injury to happen. And it very it, it, and it happened the very first time it ever happened. Um, there was an injury. And uh, Orlando Free Safety, Hassan Shamidin, suffered a separated shoulder. Uh, because of that, so um, I think they that that was a little bit of a, a hindsightish twenty twenty situation where maybe they shouldn't have, um, maybe they should just should have stuck with the coin toss. Um, the major sports networks all openly mocked the XFL. They probably did so, and I say the major sports networks. This was back when ESPN was really the only sports network around. Um, so I wouldn't put it past the NFL to sort of plan a bug or or, or, or plan an idea in ESPN and say, hey, openly mock this league because this league started shortly after um, the NFL season ended. There was no preseason. They just jumped right into the middle of the games. And, and I think that not having a preseason hurt the XFL too because then there's no buildup. There's no um, questioning who's going to start and who's going to sit. And there's no storylines that are created. You just jump right into the action. And um, sometimes you need that little, sometimes you need that little warm up. You need a little preheat the oven a little bit. Um, so, but that's going to debut the week before the Super Bowl. And if you like the idea of the XFL 30 for 30, then you should go back, and if you haven't seen it, but you should watch um, the USFL that our president-elect um, basically destroyed. Um, but that was a fantastic 30 for 32. I'll put that link to that show in the show notes. Um, another last story as far as sports is concerned, and then we'll jump into Star Wars. Uh, Ryan Lochte is going to be a father. Um, he got engaged. I think he started dating this chick like back in January and got engaged pretty quickly um, after like only eight or nine months of dating. But he said that he got engaged to her because they're, 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 she's pregnant now, so he's going to be a father as well as getting married. Um, but he said he got engaged to her because she stuck by him through the tough times. And the tough times obviously happened around the Olympics and the um, taking a piss outside of a gas station bathroom. And I thought that, and I talked about this earlier and I'll link to it in, in the show notes, but I thought the, me the way the media handled that story was absolutely ridiculous. And this was a situation where we had U.S. American swimmers that were basically extorted for cash for essentially taking a piss outside of a gas station. And we had an incident where 
They went to the gas station. Um, they tried to use the bathroom. The door was locked. Um, so they, they pissed outside of the gas station. There was a little cheap plastic sign that was hanging down outside of the gas station. And, and Lochte was seen hitting it. And it fell down all the way. So it was already dangling. It was already falling down. And he hit it while drunk. I mean, he shouldn't have done it, but he did it. And, you know, guys do dumb things when they're drunk. And especially athletes. And um, especially, you know, Ryan Lochte isn't the sharpest tool in the shed. Um, but he, I, I don't, I, I think the way he was treated was completely unfair. Uh, right after the incident happened, Ryan Lochte got on a plane and got the fuck out of the country. Which is, if you've ever seen an episode of Locked Up Abroad, that's exactly what you do. If you ever get in trouble in, in a, a foreign country, you get the fuck out. Like, you get the fuck out now. And the other swimmers they were caught on the plane they had that the brazilian police force came in and escorted them off the plane took their passports held them captive until they paid an extortion fee and and they don't, they're not going to call it an extortion fee but they did pay an extortion fee and and the whole story centered around ryan lochte lying but he lied and this is a situation of of white privilege and and all that other garbage and and it's what angered me the most is that you had reporters from TMZ, you had reporters from BuzzFeed and uh, EF NBC, who was broadcasting the Olympics. You had them all go to that specific gas station to check out the damage, quote unquote, that was done to the gas station. And there was none to be found. There was none to be found. And, and sort of the story shifted into Ryan Lochte lied and he's a terrible person and he should be banned from the Olympics. And, you know, he lost endorsements because of it. It was completely, completely bogus um so so good for him for for finding a chick that's going to stand by him you know I, i'm all for love i'm all for people being happy so so good for him i'm, I'm glad he's he, he's found a chick that's going to stand by him um and, and i'm glad that that's sort of it's it sort of past us now because it was a dumb story to begin with